Hey folks, thank you so much for listening. If you like this podcast, please rate and review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps us get as seen by as many eyeballs as possible. You can also directly support Sex Talk as a super fan on Patreon. Just go to patreon.com slash sextalk with Erica Miley. And for just the cost of a cup of coffee, y'all, you should know I love my coffee. (laughs) You help Sex Talk with editing, hosting, and getting the word out to others just like you. Help to spread curiosity about sex and keep the knowledge bombs dropping to everybody that has or wants to have sex. And a big thank you to those of you who've already become super fans. You're rock stars and I so appreciate you. That's patreon.com slash sex talk with Erica Miley. All right, let's get into the episode. Sex talk with Erica Miley cause sexuality is tough and okay, sex just isn't good enough, no. Sex Talk with Erica Miley. Hey folks, welcome to Sex Talk with Erica Miley. Erica Miley here. Y'all, I, I get, I just get the pleasure, this job, uh, not only just being a sex therapist, but getting to be a podcaster. Like I get to talk to the coolest, the coolest fucking people in the world. I want to welcome this wonderful author, the author of Edge Play, Jane Boone. Yeah, Jane, you studied at MIT. You have a PhD in industrial engineering. You are smart as fuck. And I'm just so excited. You you call this book Social Satire Disguised as Smut. Welcome to the show. I'm just so stoked to have you here. Thank you so much. Well, I have some serious nerd cred, so I can relate to my protagonist uh, of my novel, Amy, who's, you know, kind of was like the smartest girl in her class and had mm-hmm. problems with boys. And then mm-hmm. she did all the right things, all the right schools, got that great first yes. job. And then her world falls out from underneath her and she has to adapt. Oh, and- we're just, we're just going to jump right into Amy. Like the character Amy's introduction is just... Fantastic. I felt her so hard as I was reading her. I'm like, oh my God, it's me. Well, you know, <laughs> you know, any any of us who've, you know, worked in male-dominated professions, you know, I started out mm-hmm. as an engineer, so I was surrounded by guys. So almost mm-hmm. invariably I became a work wife. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, I didn't know what it's called for years, but you know, I was the sidekick. I was invited to a mm-hmm. lot of lunches. I learned about all sorts of intimate details of these guys' lives. Yes. And on the one hand, it was a privilege to to be the holder of their secrets. But on the other hand, yeah. it was a burden because I'd then have to like look their wives in the eye and yeah. maybe make up things if they went missing um, mm-hmm. at lunch. I mean, there were there was a cost associated with this privilege. And yes, um, but it served the me well. You know, keeper. I get promotions. You know. Right, that, but that that idea of the secret keeper, the secrecy, the the holding the that information back, and then interacting with the person that, like, it's it's a it's a burden that you were handed without your permission. Right, I didn't ask for it. It just sort of gets foisted on you mm-hmm. because you know you're you're kind of yeah. one of one of the guys who happens to have tits. You know, you're mm-hmm. you're, you're a member of the team, but you're not like everybody else. Mm-hmm. And it was it was interesting being in that position and then kind of imbuing this character with with extra burdens. Like I made mm-hmm. her boss super sleazy just because you need a really good <laughs> villain, right? Oh, he yeah. had to be 
like exceptionally wretched. But let me tell you, so my husband used to edit the Wall Street Journal. So we Mm. follow the Wall Street story really closely. I joke that it's our pillow talk. (laughs) I know. You don't want to get nerds. Oh, oh, nerds. Uh, yeah, no, nerds. I feel I feel the, the you're my nerd kin. <laughs> so we love Wall Street scandal. And so mm. even though I made this guy like a foul piece of shit who cheats on his wife, he's sloppy mm. at work. He's he destroys his colleagues if they so much as, you know, try and take him down. There were guys who were doing worse on the street. I mean, he wasn't oh, yes. that special. He was the garden variety sleeve. Yeah, he was just sort of the standard, you know, finance bro who happened to ascend to his level of incompetence. And Mm -hmm. um, it was fun because, you know, as you can imagine, guys like that talk to very transactionally. Women Mm -hmm. are accessories. They're they're like toys, like great cars. And... so it was it was fun to try and inhabit that world in addition to the long suffering number mm-hmm. two underneath him, the woman who cleans up his messes and hides his sins. Yes. And and then to portray her betrayal because she notices something's weird and she's sort of a straight arrow professionally. So mm-hmm. she notices there's this set of deals that are weird. So she begins to ask questions and she begins to explore, especially when the financial crisis happens and they all become worthless. Like consistently, they Mm -hmm. are all bad. Mm -hmm. And then she gets fired. Her Mm. work husband divorced her in a Mm -hmm. very glamorous way. He uses like somebody from HR as an intermediary. He doesn't even have the balls to do it himself. And, And that puts her into a tailspin and makes her both desperate because she's got, you know, student loans, she's got big rent payments because she's got the lifestyle that goes with being on Wall Street. Mm -hmm. And then she's unable to get work because it's a financial crisis. The streets are flooded with people just like her. So when her closest girlfriend from Harvard, who has a PhD in art history and a sexy little art gallery in Chelsea, Mm -hmm. brings her over for wine... And reveals a secret that in the basement of her gallery, she has an exquisite BDSM dungeon. And that's actually how she's been keeping the gallery afloat. And then she invites Amy, the banker, to take it over for a few months while she goes off and tries to secure a very valuable painting. Amy's first response is no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> First, I want to say thank you for this character, the character of Erica, which you're rever- referencing. Erica's that character's, yeah, let's be real. And it's spelled correctly with a K, which I appreciate very, very much. But also like this, the entire frame of this story of the financial crisis, like just just reading it from this lens as someone who graduated from my getting my bachelor's degree in 2007... And then the financial crisis happened in 2008. Your life was fucked. I mean, it had to throw yep. you your trajectory off seriously. Yeah. Well, and, and especially in like any of the psychological fields, like 
a lot of the funding for those positions was based on grants, was based on government funding or uh, whatever the case may be. And a lot of that stuff disappeared. My husband uh, during that period of time was doing computer engineering and the same thing. Like a lot of that stuff just absolutely dried up. And so to see this other piece of the financial crisis and see how someone, yes, of course, in a fictional way, but still how someone had to deal with, like, I, Amy had to create this whole life, like you said, this whole life of, of luxury and show this very specific life to get any credibility in the field. Right. And then it all disappears. She performed executive excellence, even yeah. as she embodied it. And mm-hmm. so she had to have the right clothes, the right apartment, the right accessories, even the right bag. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, men size you up. And, yeah. um, and so do women for that matter. But, you know, she, she was very sensitive to the fact that she was an outsider and that she had to look the part if she wanted to do the work. And, mm-hmm. you know, so her spending was a little crazy. Um, mm-hmm. I, I got like one reader sort of said, gosh, you know, why would she spend $1,000 on a dress? I'm like, because that's how much it costs mm-hmm. if you want to look right on mm-hmm. Wall Street at a certain level of um, professionalism. It's just, mm-hmm. like, that's, the, that's the opening stakes if you want to play. Mm-hmm. And um, so, so yeah, so, so when the offer is made from Erica, you know, take over mm-hmm. my, my S&M practice. I mean, Amy mm-hmm. is a sensible girl. She's like, I don't know how to do this. <laughs> I just I, love, I, I love that scene before she kind of discovers she's ready. And we'll talk about yeah. that in a second. But like that, I don't know what I'm doing. And then you can just kind of feel throughout that chapter of the discomfort. Yeah. And, you know, she she realizes like these are human stakes. She doesn't want to hurt anybody. You know, she has mm-hmm. um so Erica's, you know, kind of amazing. She's like really good at what she does. So anticipating that she's going to make this overture to to Amy, she called up one of her best clients and just had him waiting in case mm-hmm. she needed like like a guy to conduct an experiment on, you know, the demo, the, yes. the lab rat for the demonstration. And, <laughs> and came. I mean, it yeah. was a kind of service that appealed to him. And I've had submissive men come to me and say, you know, I would have been just like Michael if a woman like Erica had called me and said, I may need you later tonight, get in your car and come over here and wait for the call. I'd have been there. And I'm like, (sighs) excellent. Excellent." I'm just like, I'm just like. (laughs) So Amy is curious because she, Mm -hmm. she's kind of a scientist, you know, she, she wants to understand what makes things tick. And Mm -hmm. so she, observes the work that that Erica is doing. And, and I portray sex work as work. Um, yes. It's obviously fun and theatrical, but it's cleaning. It's, you know, trying mm-hmm. to get things right for the client. It's giving him juice afterwards because his blood sugar might be low. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's effortful and intentional. And so it takes a while um, and, and a setback, quite frankly, before Amy decides to at least try Erica's life on for an evening. And I think that's mm-hmm. the, the moment that you're talking about. She, she goes to a hotel yeah. and she picks up a guy and yeah. she calls herself Erica even. She mm-hmm. you know, adopts the persona of her friend. 
She, and, yeah, she put Erica on almost like a, that per- performance again, right? Right, it's a costume. I mean, this is a woman who would dress up, you know, like an English schoolgirl when she was in, in grade school. She she mm-hmm. could put on costume like the rest of us would put on a T-shirt. And, and then she finds a guy who she just instinctively realizes that, that she could be Erica for. And they, mm-hmm. they go up to his hotel room. And even before they're in the room, she tells him to get down on his knees and she takes the card key from him and she waits. Mm-hmm. And he stays there. And, and I think at that moment, the light bulb goes off. She's like, you know, this is interesting. Mm-hmm. I, can, I can get this, this nice computer security engineer to get down on his <laughs> knees and do as he's told. And I want to see what happens next. And so they enter the room, but only after he crawls in at her command. Mm-hmm. And, and then she basically conducts um, what would be like a professional scene. She doesn't have sex with him, but it's very intimate. It's mm-hmm. very outrageous. Um, she improvises. It's very erotic. And y'all are going to have to pick up the book to actually hear every single detail because it is, it is hot as fuck. I was really <laughs> proud. I was like, what would this guy have in his briefcase? Because she's just got to use mm-hmm. whatever's there. And so she mm-hmm. finds binder clips and, um, and his belts and the bathtub, uh, the bathrobe belts. And she just mm-hmm. puts them all to work. And they have a really lovely experience. I mean, he's aroused, she's amused, she's excited. And then at the very end, something happens that kind of blows her mind, which is that he assumes that she's a sex worker Mm -hmm. and gives her money and she accepts it. Mm -hmm. And that is another light bulb moment where she goes, okay, I think I can do this. And she calls up her friend, Erica, and says, okay, I'm ready. Mm-hmm. And then, then the adventure switches into high gear while she gets you know, up to speed on all the gear and the equipment and gets the clothes. And there's a great scene just out of, like out of Pretty Women, only pervy, where mm-hmm. the same guy that had been waiting to demonstrate what submission looks like in the first place takes her shopping um, mm-hmm. at like a top end uh, fetish gear store in New York. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's just, you know, pretty women, but turned into something really freaky and fun. Yes. I, I, the transformation part, this, this part of the book, the, the, where it goes from her putting on Erica, like a costume to her transforming inside of herself mm-hmm is I think really, really important to the taking control of your own eroticism and your own experience of something that is pleasurable, sexual-ish, sexual parallel, sexual aligned, but there isn't necessarily sex in quotation marks. Yeah, well, it's very erotic. It's very Mm -hmm. explicit, um, but Amy doesn't fuck her clients. Until mm-hmm. she has an affair with one of them. And then mm-hmm. that becomes complicated because she's worried, you know, has she violated some big rule that she doesn't know about? I mean, she calls up her friend, um, Erica, in a panic. You know, oh my gosh, you know, I've kissed this guy. Oh my goodness, I've had sex with this guy. What does this mean? And, 
And Erica is, is this cooling influence, but she's also canny. She doesn't want to like lose her substitute. I mean, she wants mm-hmm. to keep Amy on the job and she just like tells Amy, you know, Google girlfriend experience and see what those escorts do. I mean, the emotional labor that those mm-hmm. women undertake is extraordinary. You need to find your limits and be careful, but, you know, put them where you want. And, yes. um, and that, um, that kind of explicit conversation, I think, had been missing from Amy's life. And the idea that she can negotiate and establish limits is something that's very familiar to pervs. You know, if you're mm. at all involved with kink or BDSM, you know, you've seen the checklists even. They're, they're, mm-hmm. they're maddeningly long, but my goodness, you know, it's, it can even be like, have done, willing to consider, no fucking way. I mean, there's a continuum. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's kind of heretical, the idea that, that some things are, are hard, yes, some things are hard, no, and some things are, you know, persuade me. Perhaps, right? Like, yeah. but it's, but you're making the thing, thing, the thing that I love about the negotiation of kink is you're making the implicit explicit. Right. Right. And I think that then you're not guessing about what's coming next. Right. And, and you gives, have a plan. Right. And it gives you practice at saying no, you know, no, I don't want to do anal, but you know, I really love being gagged or whatever, whatever mm. the thing is. And, and when it's, when there's a long list, there, it's inevitable that you're going to hit no's. And mm-hmm. it's, I mean, I think, I think quite frankly, the, the lists are, are inartful and lacking in poetry, but my gosh, they're efficient. And as mm-hmm. an engineer, I applaud efficiency. <laughs> oh, before we, before we move on too far, I want to make sure that we define a, a term, uh, the girlfriend experience. I, some people don't understand oh. what kind of, what that means when we talk about that. But for the folks out there, what does that mean? It It is a whole, essentially a section of not only just porn, but it's also a, a sex worker specialty. Yeah. So let's talk about a little bit of that. So that's, it's a, it's a very, it's a particularly well compensated segment of sex work because the woman has to f- be able to fulfill the fantasy of being an idealized girlfriend. So mm-hmm. what does it mean to be a girlfriend? It means you maybe go out to dinner, you watch the game with the guy, you ask mm-hmm. him about his day, you stick your tongue down his throat when he kisses you, and then you mm-hmm. fuck his brains out. I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's like the girlfriend times 10. But mm-hmm. the flip side of that is you know, it's a level of intimacy and effort on the part of the woman that is different than just doing the straightforward half and half, you know, the blowjob, the fucking. I -hmm. mean, you have to engage with the person as a person, Mm -hmm. as as opposed to just a cock that you're working with for an hour. And that's that's work. I mean, it can be fun. Yes. Emotional effort. It's it's emotional labor that is a particular expertise of some. I mean, you need to you need to also be prepared to hear things you don't like. I mean, maybe you don't like football, but this is like the thing that the guy wants to watch. So you watch football. Mm-hmm. Maybe he's a misogynist, or maybe he has some funny ideas about race. But you know, I think the savvy sex worker, if she wants a repeat visit with this guy 
maybe inclined to just, you know, roll with it. I mean, some will say, you know, come, some will call them out on the bullshit, but others will just mm. realize, you know, rednecks are, are part of my client base. And so mm-hmm. I don't want to get a bad score on some escort review site. So I'm just going to deal with it because the mm-hmm. men have a lot of power in this. There are these sites where they um, evaluate the women Mm. And, you know, if you get trashed a few times, you're, you're, it has real world implications on your revenue stream. Absolutely. So and, there's, and I've actually seen a couple of the, um, of the folks, I don't want to identify them without their permission, but the folks out here who are doing these girlfriend experience, um, uh, sex work channels or they're like on OnlyFans or or wherever mm-hmm. that they are offering their services. I have definitely seen like there's video production for some of for some of these women. Like they they create entire like an entire ecosystem around a around this this persona of right, being the, the girlfriend of the perfect girlfriend. The who who likes who likes it when you game and who loves it when you come on her face, mm-hmm. and you know whatever the fantasy is, there's there's somebody who will accommodate it. But that person is is there's a you know a cost associated with that. I mean, if it's not her thing, I mean that's a particular burden she's taking on, um, and you know it's it's a tough business. I. Uh, my hats go off to those women. Erica describes mm-hmm. them as warriors. And I, she's echoing my own belief about that. I think the women who yes. do the girlfriend experience stuff are like fucking amazing. But man, that's tough work. Hey, quick break from the action. Sorry for interrupting y'all, but it's important to acknowledge that life has become seriously difficult for many of you these days. With the world feeling chaotic, I mean, I don't know about you, but a pandemic sure did it for me. Uh, So many big feelings about all of it and the state of our world. It's impacted our daily lives. It's hindered us from planning and interrupted our mental and sexual health. I just want to take a minute to remind you that I'm not just a sex nerd. I'm a mental health therapist and I have a team of other like-minded badass therapists that are able to help you out. All my therapists are experienced and have been trained around sexuality, along with direct consultation with me if they need it. My mental health practice is completely online, so you can stay your butt at home and you don't have to park anywhere. It's really great that way. (laughs) With the lighter restrictions because of the pandemic, we're able to serve more people all over the United States and expats living all over the world and immigrants from all over the world. Just head to mentalandsexualhealth.com and sign up for a free consultation. I'm adding more highly trained therapists regularly, all comfortable with talking about sex. Again, that's mentalandsexualhealth.com. Okay, let's get you back to the show. You bring up in throughout the book, but specifically in that third section about consent, and we've already mentioned it a little bit, that there is levels of consent that Amy goes through. There are Mm -hmm. levels of consent that happen in either her her personal relationships or, or at, as she starts to develop this professional 
right. these professional relationships. Um, can you talk a little bit about like how how have you seen how you saw consent and how you included it throughout the book and specifically that that last section? So it's it's obviously a topic that's that's very interesting and important to me because you know fiction loves the gray areas of consent, you know, that the thing mm-hmm. where you say, yes, I will, but your heart's not really into it. Or maybe you should have said no. I mean, that's, that's drama. Mm-hmm. And, um, but I, I also wanted to portray Amy as a kind of a serious person. And so even in her first sexual encounter, she asks the young boy, you know, they're, they're messing around on, on a cliff and he's, he's, frightened and she's mm. exhilarated and she asks him if it's okay to continue and he he squeaks out something that sounds like a yes and she decides that's enough and that's how she her her first experience you know seeing a boy's penis mm-hmm. and then the questions of consent become more complicated and nuanced like she never consented to being her boss's alibi mm-hmm. but it got thrust on her and she just sort of took it on and then at the end of the book, she she draws a line and she outs him for being a bad dude. Mm-hmm. And then the issue of consent comes out a few other times. For instance, she has she is sexually assaulted, mm-hmm. um, and and then she has to face the, the question: What's she going to do about it? Because now she's a sex worker, yeah. and she understands that gives her extra peril if she tries to bring in the police because it could come out. Um, mm-hmm. Her credibility might be um, at risk. So even though this guy has done something really bad, she opts for silence mm-hmm. and revenge. I mean, I think I think she would do what she could to like, you know, take him down if she could, but she doesn't bring in the authorities. And then mm-hmm. we also discover another key character has been sexually violated himself. And it's something that they have in common. And mm. it's also one of the reasons why they are so careful with one another in some key ways in mm. achieving mutual consent about some very specific things that they do. And I try to depict people asking for consent in ways that are kind of fun as mm-hmm. well. I mean, it's not always a chore it can be um, affirmative and exciting and delicious to ask for mm. what you want. And, you know, that happens as well. There's bad sex because we all get bad sex, but there's a lot of pretty hot mm-hmm. sex too, I think, in the book. Yes. Because, you know, hopefully we experience some of that as well. It's, there's there's a ton of re- moments that you will read throughout this book that will get you hot, folks. <laughs> you just, I, you will. You can't. No, you can't deny it. I was really proud of what I did for the blowjob. It's really hard to bring something fresh to that. And I think I did. Um. I agree. I (laughs) agree fully. And and I was was telling Jane before we started uh, recording that the scene... And that, that scene, one of the reasons why I wanted to talk about that scene when Amy decides to take over Erica's practice for that that couple months is so the 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 consent is there 
uh, across in nuanced ways. But the scene is so hot because, at least for me, you know, I'm just talking about from my perspective. I'm not going to talk about, like, anybody else's experience of the book. Y'all buy it and get your own experience. Yeah, buy it. Um, But, like, that, the... When she takes control of her own pleasure, even in a moment where she's performing, it really does shift your perspective of Amy as a character. Right. And the uh, so um, there's there's sort of towards the end of the book, I bring in a, a guy who's who's just open and exciting and excited to be with Amy. Mm. And the kind of final encounter with them is they trade off power and control in a way that's very equal. And that was absolutely intentional. I mean, they were both the audience and the performers and um, that, that parallelism, that equality, I think spoke to something very, very nice about him and about Amy that they, they both wanted to make the other excited and happy and they both wanted to take charge and let the other enjoy um, equally, you know, neither, it wasn't like a wrestling match. It was, it was very Mm -hmm. fun and conscientious and, and I mean, and he's hot. I mean, the guy is Yes. <laughs> I I do. I am curious that when you were developing these characters, as you were thinking them through, as you were putting this on paper, was there anything in their creation that was restorative for you? Um, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, I, 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 I chose the names of the characters intentionally. That was a little, sort of fun. Um, I, um, there's some exes who are get a shout out. I'm hoping they don't mm. know it. <laughs> but um yeah, so so there was that. Um but also just just being just depicting the world as I'd like to see it. You know, mm. where consent is sought and affirmed and and people do things that bring them bring them pleasure. I am all in for pleasure. I think it's mm-hmm. it's wonderful. I think adults don't give themselves permission to play enough, so that gave me a soapbox. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. I I think we adults need to sort of get in touch with our our inner perbs more, and mm-hmm. give them a chance to to see a little more, maybe not daylight, but whatever, see a little more oxygen. Absolutely, yes. It, it, this is something that my clients are are when they start allowing themselves permission for pleasure. Yeah. There is a lot that can happen. And it doesn't necessarily mean that when you give yourself permission for pleasure that you're going to go straight for BDSM. But it does mean that there is some freedom that you have access to. Yeah. And, you know, there, there are ways of kind of embracing it that, that don't require shackles. I, uh, you know, I, I've been teaching smut classes, for instance. Mm. And one of my favorite ones is um, writing smut as foreplay for role play. And erotic role play is fun and it doesn't mm-hmm. necessarily require handcuffs. Like it just requires your imagination. And, mm-hmm. you know, are you a princess? Are you a thief? Are you the mm-hmm. cop pulling over the, the speeder? I mean, it, it, yeah. you don't need to, to you know, have a, a fully equipped dungeon to, to sort of inhabit somebody else's reality for, for a couple hours and, and just, you know, be silly. 
the restorative nature of role play. Like I, I actually, in many, in, for my clients who've who've done, you know, some, especially those who've experienced uh, like sexual trauma in their lives, and then as they've gone through therapy and started to heal and been able to tolerate more pleasure or physically be able to stay in their bodies, one of the assignments some of my folks get if their game is to write their own erotic stories, whether oh, they're featured or someone else. And I, so I think like your smut classes, I think that's a great, that is a great idea because you do get to then play with dynamics, play right. with consent, play with these ideas in a way that is almost like taking a baby step before you allow yourself to try any of it. And, and the other thing I think is really sort of great about, you know, using smut to kind of frame a role play is basically you're you're creating the world that you want to have happen. You, you're giving consent. Mm. You're describing what you're willing to do, what kind of scenarios um, are within your comfort zone, but in a way that's very constructive and hot. Mm. Um, you know, it's, it's not a world of no, it's a world of yes. Mm. And that is... Uh, just, I think, a nice way to approach a partner too. I mean, you're, you're presenting them with a gift. You're giving them what's in your head and, mm-hmm. you know, kind of a short, a shortcut to your libido. And, mm-hmm. you know, and if you're tactical, you'll include a few ideas that, you know, will work on them. But, yeah. um, you know, what, 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 you know, don't we all wish we had like little windows in our brain? And this is one way of um, achieving that you know, hopefully your partner is, is willing to, to, to take a peek inside. And beautifully, beautifully put. I just, I, I so appreciate this book. I so appreciate you writing it and uh, providing us this wonderfully thoughtful and uh, just hot as fuck book well, to thanks. read. Just, we, I so appreciate it. Well, S&M changes Amy for the better. You know, she's, mm-hmm. she's a little tentative at first, but the, the process of negotiating, the process of, of seeing, quite frankly, the clients with their pants down. I mean, she's seeing powerful men mm-hmm. at their most vulnerable and learning how to read them is transformative for her. And then at the very end, she has the opportunity to sort of use these tools in a very significant way. And mm-hmm. she is improved as an executive. She's an improved as a woman. She, she is changed by her experiences in the dungeon for the better. And I think it's sort of tragic in a way that BDSM is, is, is viewed as something sort of dirty. Although I, I like that. I mean, it's sort mm-hmm. of fun that it's dirty, but yeah. it, it shouldn't be diminished. And mm. I think especially the people that, that bear the brunt of the shame are male submissives because they're going against, you know, gender scripts. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're really swimming upstream. But in the book, these guys are badasses who just happen to have a thing. And that's really mm. all that a kink is. It's a thing that animates you, that occupies your brain in ways that can be quite... Um, delicious, like like the the best condiment on a hot dog, mm-hmm. and and I wanted to portray them as heroes, as men of integrity, of substance, and mm-hmm. and who were there to help the women they adore, and and it's reciprocated. the The women feel very strongly about the men in their lives too, and they're all good people. The bad people are the fucking bankers, mm. and mm-hmm. they are really just here to life. <laughs> Sorry, bankers, if you're a good banker out there, hit me in the comments, but you're right. <laughs> you, you know, if you're, if you're a good banker, you know there are bad bankers, though. So we're, we're, we're just talking about them. We're not talking about you. 
Mm-hmm. So um, it's it's about your peers, not about you. So read it That's with right. that in mind. So how do these wonderful humans find you in this world? So I have a website. It's janeboone.com, J-A-N-E-B-O-O-N.com. Daniel Boone ruined it for my family. There is no E on my last name. No superfluous Um, E here. And then I'm also on Twitter and Instagram. My handle is the same. It's Jane E. Boone, all one word. So... Um, All of I that will be kind of fun, actually. I, I was posting pictures of tied up books on Instagram, <laughs> spoofing the bookstagram vignettes, you know, where they'll, they'll put a book <laughs> in a potted plant or something or like, yeah. you know, surround it with a feast. I'm like, no, I will lash mine to a lamppost. I love it. And uh, my book, when uh, Jane sent me the book, my book came tied up. And for those of you who want to see, see that it is in my Instagram stories for sure, I think still, even if not, I'll repost I I know a little shibari. It's It's amazing. It's in the style of a karata, a body harness. I had one um, professional dominatrix who received a tied up book. And she did this wonderful thing where, you know, she like, like basically molested the ropes on the book. And then she inserted her two elegant fingers below the bottom knot and then gave it a hard yank. And let me tell you, on a gentleman, that knot would be right by his cock. Mm. So, so anybody who was like looking at that video would know exactly where that woman's mind was going. And I'm hoping she books some sessions. That's amazing. I, I just, I, I was so tickled. I was like, yes, this is amazing. So, so I, I, I so appreciate you coming on the show and everything that Jane mentioned will be in the show notes, folks. So be, and I'm going to be putting a bunch of stuff all over uh, TikTok and Instagram. And so it'll be easy to find Jane. Uh, Jane, again, thank you. Thank you I'm for being on the show. to find. <laughs> Pregnant pause. Yes. <laughs> Thank you so All much, right. Erica. This has been a pleasure. Hey, folks, thanks for sticking around to the end, and we will see you next time.